All right, jerk-offs, how you doing? 2019 is here. Happy New Year. Happy Christmas or holidays, if you, if you prefer that. I mean, I don't really mind. I'm not, I'm not really to see the way. Um, this, is, this is a little bit different, this episode. I don't have a guest with me this week uh, because obviously with Christmas and New Year's happening on a Monday, that is when this podcast is usually released. So I just wanted to kind of get back to that next Monday. But I did want to release something real quick just to let you guys know that on Sunday, if you are a London listener, on Sunday, we've got the next installment of Australian Comedians Dope Comedy at the Backyard Comedy Club at 8 p.m. And it features Alice Fraser, former guest on the pod. Alice Fraser, uh, she'll be here. Um, Well, sorry, she'll be there. She'll be on stage um, closing out that show. So if you want to check that out, that is 8 p.m. January 6th. And on a personal note, um, I've got a little special launch party happening. I got my comedy special coming out uh, January 8th around the world. So I got a little launch party happening at Two North Down in King's Cross at 8.15. Uh, I got a lineup of some comedians, some of whom you've heard on the pod, some you haven't. Um, they're going to be coming down. We're going to be putting on a little bit of a show uh, just to celebrate my special coming out because my first one. It's a pretty big moment for a comic. Uh, it's this very DIY special I put together in Australia just before I left. And uh, yeah, it's really cool, man. It's filmed at this um, kind of rock venue, I guess, in Sydney where I used to go out um, a lot. It's like a very iconic venue if you know Sydney. Um, and it was really nice. They let me put that on. I got some... You know, I'm really happy with it. And I think I think you guys would be interested to check it out. Um, you can pre-order that on my website, www.danielmuggleton.com. Uh, tickets are available to the launch party at Ticket Text. But if you have bought the special, um, all you need to show me is some kind of proof of purchase at the door. Um, and you get it free. That's right. It's more important that you buy the special than you buy the tickets. Uh, there's the album as well. If you don't like looking at things, uh, which as a podcast listener might be your kind of game. But yeah, please come check that out. You can say hello to me as well. I'll be there hosting the whole thing. Tequila! Yeah. The reason I wanted to do this, I guess, is because I have been here a year now. I got here just before Christmas uh, last year in, 20, in 2017. I got here just before Christmas. And then the whole of 2018, I've been in the UK. I've been back to Australia for kind of two two three-week tours, I think it was, um, for doing some university stuff and then some stuff uh, in October. But otherwise, I've been pretty much in the UK. And in addition to that, I have been having guests on from around the Commonwealth and from different parts of the UK to talk about it. And I figured maybe you guys were curious what what has changed in the year that I've been here. Um, and basically, uh, like a lot, I guess. I think definitely my perception of well one one thing I got to say like I coming over here right as 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 you found I think if you listen to this podcast I do ask people why they come here like why they migrate or you know spend a couple of years here and as if if you're talking about comedians it is very career driven um you the UK has like a very vibrant comedy circuit especially a live comedy circuit um and obviously tv and stuff as well but for me it was more the live aspect that drew me across and 
you know, that, that's a lot of the reason people come here. And the majority of the reason people leave is because they don't like the place. They're kind of like, yeah, London's expensive. It's dirty. Or like they live up north and everyone's weird. Not everyone up north is weird, obviously. They're very nice. They're, they're nice up north, which bugs me. I don't like that. I still, I still can't do that like small talk that they do in the north where just like any random person waiting for the same thing as you deserves a conversation. Uh, I think Lauren Patterson talks about that like at the bus stop, like you're just somehow obligated to talk to the old lady, which she digs because she's from the north. But, you know, I'm, I'm from Sydney, which is like, I don't know. I, it's, it's definitely not as big as London, but it's definitely bigger than any other city in the UK in terms of attitude. You know, like it's, it is, it's like, it's 5 million people. Um, it doesn't have that density that London has, but it's like, it's definitely like a big city. There's a lot of traffic. Like we've got no public transport, so everyone drives. So we do kind of have that angry attitude. I think, I think in any place where transport is like is an is something like an, an agony that you have to go through every day. Like in London, it's that it's that tube, like that packed tube where you know there's like seventy people crushed into like a forty person carriage, and like you know some people still read the paper, like like the physical newspaper with just reckless abandon, like you just get hit in the head with like a broadsheet. Like that's like, and Sydney's the opposite, like, because it's, it's not public transport, it's traffic. So it's just like waiting in traffic and getting cut off by the guy. And then there's like the bus lane that you can't go in, but the taxi's cutting you off to get around the guy. You know, it's like anything with that is like a big, it's like an aggression, I think, defines a big city. And like, yeah, so that's, that's what I was used to. And London's definitely been like more, especially that living in Shoreditch, which I do, which is like very, very central. And like on the weekend, it is just rammed with everybody um like that's like i've just i've been impressed by london itself i wasn't expecting to like it particularly i I thought it'd be okay but i've got to say i do really enjoy living here i like the walking around like because i live so central i don't have to you know do too much to get to places where stuff is happening like you can walk around to like the flower market you can walk around to the broadway market you just walk around the shops that like Brick Lane, Spitalfields. Basically, I'm just describing markets. Maybe I just like markets. I don't know. I didn't think that was part of my personality, but people standing outside, serving food and offering weird knickknacks. I'm into it. I'm a white person, all right? That is our weakness. We like it. <laughs> Keeps my girlfriend happy, right? We wander around and do that. But yeah, I've just, I've really kind of enjoyed it as a city because I think the one thing that London has, a city doesn't have, just that size of population means that nobody really gives a shit like you can really do whatever you want like you can dress however you want like things that australians would consider outrageous like don't even people don't even bat an eye here like you just don't even think twice like that's just that's like normal like the things that like people turn around at here it's like it's got to be it's got to be ridiculous it's got to be like a half man half horse with like blue hair or something like you know it's got to be something next level um but yeah like I've, I've definitely been more impressed with like the city of london than i thought it would i thought i would be like i i like it man i think there's like a really nice attitude here and there's like kind of there's kind of that it's got that kind of new york crush to it but it's also kind of got these weird little like english pastime elements like like the markets like the 
like I don't even know, like like the like the horses and shit, like that kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm not explaining this very well. That this this podcast may never be released. <laughs> we'll we'll see. Um, but yeah, I just I definitely have enjoyed living in the city more than I thought I would. Even though financially, obviously, it is a nightmare. Um, I still haven't paid council tax yet. I don't even know what council tax was till I got here, but it's a thing that exists and it's just been accruing over the year. So that's a terrifying concept uh, for anybody who does move here. Remember, there is your rent, there are your bills, and then there are your council tax. Some places, like they take care of it, but because we're, it's like it's our flat, um, we just had to have this explained to us slowly by the person who signed the lease. So uh, yeah, basically like that side, the financial side, it is stressful, but if you can get through it, um, it is it is a cool place to live. But I do understand the English attitude where you get into London after you finish university. Because that's the thing, that's the, that's the English life cycle. I figured it out now. You grow up somewhere that isn't London, then you go to university in a, in a town where you didn't grow up, usually. Some people go to the university where they grew up, but very few. And then after university, you move to London uh, or maybe Manchester if you're a little less, less ambitious, right? <laughs> That's very mean. Uh, no, so you, you tend to move to London or Manchester and then you stay there until you're 30 or maybe even like 32. And then you've, you've, met, you've met your partner or you don't want to have a partner because that's up to you. And then you go back to the town where you're from or if you liked London and want to keep living in London, you live in Essex. That's what happens. You go to Essex. Because, you know, it's, it's less pressure. Essex is affordable. You can get the training quite quickly. That seems to be what everybody does. It's just like, look, I want to live in London, but I can't afford to. So I'm going to live in Essex and pretend like I don't. Uh, that's what I figured out. Um, the accent thing, uh, I should talk about that just because I talk about it on stage. And I think every Australian who comes to the UK talks about the accent thing. I got to say, the longer you live here, the less you notice. Like you just, not even just different UK accents, just different accents in general. Like it's some kind of immersion therapy where like you just really stop noticing. Like, yeah, I, I definitely I can, I definitely know when someone's from the north or from the south or whatever when I talk to them now. Um, and I, I'm getting a little bit better. I can pinpoint it a little. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pass a test on it, but I, you know, I, I do okay. Um, but yeah, they just... You just stop. You just stop caring about it. I don't know why. I, I I guess it is just there's so many, and like to to pick up on it every single time is exhausting and not that interesting. But for some reason over here, you seem to be able to speak the English accent for well, sorry, in any way that you want to. It's up to you. It's dealer's choice on that one. And as a listener, you just stop paying attention. But I do maintain. I think I said this on another episode. Like it has made me realize that that is the great selling point of English as a language, as long as you can say it in a way that people can vaguely understand, you're in, baby. You are in, you are speaking English. We don't then sit there being like, oh yeah, but your accent's a little off. You want to improve this here. No, just say it, bro. If the word is right, we don't care. Uh, And that is our gift to you. And that's why we're number one. And Australians like me don't have to be bilingual like those weapons in Sweden and Amsterdam. I'm actually doing some gigs in the Netherlands and Estonia and Poland this month. So I'll be able to report back in February the varying degrees of English and the varying degrees of how funny people in the EU find me. Uh, The high street chains. I don't know what a high street is. To this day, I think 
It was just like the main street in the different bits. Uh, every village has one. Different suburbs of London have one. And if you're not from here, you wouldn't know, but every high street has the high street chains. They are Pret-a-Manger, Costa Coffee, Starbucks sometimes. I don't think Starbucks is like proper in there. Then there's an Itsu. Uh, there's sometimes a Wasabi. Um, what else you got? You probably got a, you probably got a grocery store in there, but it's usually like a metro if it's the high street, unless you live in like a real shit hole, then you get a full-size thing because they have the space or Clapham. For some reason, Clapham has a full-size Sainsbury's. Couldn't tell you why. Uh, anyway, so yeah, just like you got the high street chains. They're in the same order everywhere and it is very strange. I don't understand that. I know that, you know, in Australia, we've got a 7-Eleven everywhere, but that's just because 7-Eleven does frozen Coke and uh cigarettes that's all you need if you're in australia frozen coke cigarettes bang done because that's the thing here they got off licenses but you wouldn't consider off licenses a high street chain they're just the convenience stores um oh that's another thing you can't get a frozen coke outside of a cinema in london i don't know why it's very depressing um i mean the weather is is right for a frozen coke maybe 20 days a year so that might have something to do with it but yep no frozen Coke. Uh, I don't know if anyone else was a big fan um, of the frozen Coke. As an Australian person, I bloody love it. You can get them for $1 in Australia from McDonald's, 7-Eleven, and I think even Shell. I think Shell started doing them. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're, a, they're, a, sad, they're a sad loss uh, to this country, just like chicken salt. They don't do chicken salt over here. I don't get it. They love salt. I just think, I think they refuse to do chicken salt because... Well, Australia apparently invented chicken salt. So I think they probably have a bit of an issue with that. They don't like us giving them anything to use. Except we didn't invent Wi-Fi and they bloody love that. Uh, but yeah, I think, they, I think they don't do chicken salt just because it, it, sto it stops them doing their classical chip toppings. Like they take chips quite seriously here. And like if you, if you know it, basically in the south, it's salt and vinegar. And then in the middle, it's gravy. And then if you go to the north, it's curry. And at any point in the middle and the north, you can add cheese to the gravy and curry. And it doesn't sound appetizing, but it's fucking great. I got to say, cheesy chips and curry is absurdly good. Um, but yeah, I think the chicken salt would just kind of ruin that. But I don't understand that. If you put chicken salt on chips and then cover them in curry and cheese, I would happily eat that. It'd probably be better. I'm just saying. I've never seen chicken salt added to anything and not improve the outcome. It's just a fact. It's very good. Um... Oh yeah, speaking of the, the whole bad weather thing, it's not that bad. English people just like complaining about stuff. It's not that bad. Um, I would say it's just like Brexit in the way that they like to complain, but it's probably not going to be that bad. But I don't know. I have no idea about Brexit still. It has been a year. It has been a year of conversations, comedians, headlines, everybody talking about Brexit very regularly. And I've yet to really figure out what the fuck is going on. Uh, but then you ask people follow-up questions and they're like, look, nobody really knows what the fuck is going on. So apparently I'm informed. But really, I think it's just because as an Australian person, it doesn't really affect me at all. Um, I'm part of the Commonwealth. Uh, so we're getting in regardless. And we never, I was never really angling for a British passport anyway. So it doesn't really affect me. Um, apparently heaps of them are applying for Irish passports now. They're really embracing that Irish heritage, uh, to keep going with the EU. But yep, at this point, it, report from the front line, um, nothing really seems to be happening. 
I don't think there'll be another referendum. Surely not. It'd be amazing if there was. Like I'd rate that just as like, wow, like holy shit, what a very what a very public backward step. Um, but you know, I, I don't think that's gonna happen. I think it's just gonna it's gonna be pushed through and it's gonna be pretty interesting. But all I'm hoping is it doesn't affect the pound too much. So the 17 pounds that I managed to bring back with me to Australia turn into heaps of Aussie dollars. Because I don't know if you know, back in the day, the pound used to be worth like three Australian dollars and that was sick. And now it's not even close. But hey, a guy can dream. Um, but no, the way they think, I'm actually going to do this very soon uh, purely to figure out the result. Um, I'm going to buy one of those seasonal affective disorder lamps. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing that um, apparently isn't uncommon over here. It's a lamp for people who are used to a bit more sunlight or who find the winter a particularly tough time. Um, you get a seasonal affective disorder lamp and it's got a special kind of bulb and it puts out the right kind of light and apparently it makes you feel better. And what is the acronym for seasonal affective disorder lamp? That would be SAD, a SAD lamp. Isn't that convenient? Um, I think it's a little bit cruel. To be honest, these people are getting real depressed in the winter. It's like, yeah, mate, what you need is a SAD lamp. And it's like, what, just to, to highlight my depression? Nah, mate, it'll make you feel better. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, yeah. Um, speaking of just the, the you know, you can, you can basically dress however you want here. And that's legit. Um, and just kind of do your own thing, which I do really appreciate. I now own three more tracksuits since moving to the UK. I'm a, I'm a person who very, very rarely buys clothing. But since coming here, I saw my one tracksuit, my one blue Adidas classic. And I was like, look, I've got to, I've got to upgrade this collection because tracksuit pants are totally acceptable here. Uh, so now I've added a velour filler tracksuit a red adidas classic tracksuit and for christmas my girlfriend got me a green polar fleece adidas tracksuit uh there is instagram proof of all of these and i'm thinking by the time i get back to australia i want seven so i can wear one every day of the week like a fucking king even though the australian climate especially sydney's climate does not lend itself to the tracksuit but i'm gonna give it a red hot go uh oh the one the one thing about this like i was shocked by this this was last saturday um i put on this christmas show at the camden comedy club by the way camden comedy club is a great spot if you want to see lots of different stuff they they program it very very fairly i think they give a lot of different people opportunities and it's a really fun little intimate venue to go check out some comedy um, I, I did a Christmas show there, which I thought was a good idea, but then you realize there's actually quite a lot of work that goes into making a Christmas themed comedy show, which I just didn't do. Uh, so basically I turned up in the red tracksuit thinking that was a bit festive. I got my mate Grant Busset to do some Christmas carols, but like messed up. And I, I had my other friend, Ishan Akbar, former guest of the podcast, Ishan Akbar. Um, he was supposed to be Muslim Santa, which I thought would have been hilarious, but he got food poisoning on the day so i just bought this massive santa suit because ishan is a is a large fellow an extra large if you want to go by the santa suit so i bought this santa suit and no one else could bloody fit it so we just got some random guy in the audience to wear it and the show was a train wreck but we all had a good time and we'll come back next year even though we didn't really enjoy it and that is the true christmas spirit 
Um, but of the show, I went to get a drink in my tracksuit and I did not get let into two bars. Two bars looked at me in a red Adidas tracksuit and were like, sorry, mate, we can't let you in. And these are bars with like multiple security guards like out the front, like Belushi's, like the, the, the fingering capital of Europe, Belushi's. They wouldn't let me in because apparently a very skinny white person with a big mustache and glasses wearing a tracksuit is about to kick off at any minute. I'm a goddamn Green Street hooligan. Oh, man, it was absurd. Like, if you have that many security guards and you see me as a threat, you should get different security guards. That is nuts. But you got to be careful. Uh, little little dress code, little dress code sitch in London. Um, there, I actually had scissors in my bag. Uh, because I had to cut up some presents and stuff like for the for the, uh, the Christmas show. So probably not the worst idea that I didn't get let in. Uh, maybe they did their job better than I thought. Um, and the last, I guess the last thing is like how to, I don't know. The, the one thing about the UK that I still, the UK as a whole, I'm going to go as a whole here, is like I don't really know how the, the food... All right, so the food situation, there is good food. Like it does exist. Um, there's plenty of good stuff. There's plenty of horrible stuff. Like if anyone has been through here, kind of traveling on the cheap, I'm sure you'll be well aware of the meal deal. That's like a UK staple somehow. I don't know why. Basically, you go to like any any of the high street chains, like your Boots, your M&S, your WH Smith, all that stuff. They have this meal deal where you get a sandwich, you get chips and you get a drink for like four quid or five quid, I think, for the fancy one. And basically, if you get this meal deal, the sandwich is like three and then you get the drink and the chips. I've actually, I've got, I have one with like the sandwich was 380 and then you get like the drink and the chips that are like, you know, a pound 50 each and then like it becomes four. Like somehow these sandwiches are so cheap to make that you inflate the price of them just to make sure people get the meal deal to sell the chips. I don't know. It's... It's very confusing economics in my brain. I don't really understand it. But yeah, they are like a staple of like any any train trip, any bus trip, anything around here or like your, your cheap lunch. But like usually you have a sandwich, you think it's going to make you feel okay. These things don't. These things these things do a number on you like a, like a late night kebab back home. Like you feel terrible. You get indigestion. I don't know how it works, but they're like the staple of the UK. Um, when you're on a quick trip and then like beyond that like there's just there's just no relation here between price and quality when it comes to food like in in australia if you spend a certain amount of money the thing will taste good that's just how it works whereas here you can spend like 20 pounds which is a lot of money on a meal and it'll it still might be shit like like it's 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 just like it depends on the place like there's just nothing to indicate the quality apart from just figuring it out um and like yeah that that still kind of fucks with me because like you can get a full english breakfast in london for the same price as a pint is that not weird this isn't like a pint of like fancy beer this is just like your pint in like your regular bar like you're talking like 550 for both and like the full english is like you know four pieces of toast sausage bacon hash brown egg like, and it comes with a coffee or a tea. Like, I, I just don't... The price of some things here is so troublingly low, like terrifyingly low, 
that it does kind of fuck with you a little bit. I don't know. I'm still I'm still trying to figure it out because like the it's it's very hard to like accidentally eat a vegetable here. Like you you know what I mean? Like there's no there's no like manslaughter charge on a vegetable. You've got to you've got to go out, you got to have intent, you got to pursue it like it's like it's a it's a it's a homicide, you know? And I know this analogy is like a little bit dark for eating vegetables, but I've been watching shitloads of Law and Order SVU recently. And uh, you know, that's that's what I'm all about really. Um but yeah, it's just like it's just weird. I I don't I I don't know how people stay healthy. Like I mean, if you look at British people, they don't seem healthy, but like some of them do. Um I just yeah, it's 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 a weird thing. Like there's just the the way to get like healthy quality produce and like vegetables is like so difficult here. And and the other thing is like just the drinking culture. I mean, it's good. Like it's a good drinking culture. You go out for drinks here, you'll have a good time, hundred percent. But I I still cannot not drink here. Like in Australia, I can totally do it. You drive, so you can't drink, or like you're just like, oh no, probably not today. Like I'm not really in the mood. It's sunny out. We'll just get you know, get a get a nice coffee walk down there. Get a water. But here it's just like it's on. It's on a hundred percent of the time. Um, I can't. I can't describe it any other way. Like it is just on. Like drinking is on. I was talking to talking to Carl Donnelly, who's another comedian, very funny dude, um, from here about this last night, and he was just like, "Yeah, man, like I, I get it because like in in winter it's like go out party time, right? Like you just you go out, you drink most nights. So you should just see it. People are just kind of like they're trying to get through the winter. Like their flats are depressing. We're gonna go out. We're gonna drink. It's gonna be great. And then in the summer, um, because the weather's good, everybody's like, "Oh, we gotta take advantage of this weather. It's only here for so long." Yada yada yada. So they drink during the day. It's like winter, you're drinking at night. Summer, you're drinking during the day. At no, like in the transitional seasons, you're probably doing a bit of both, to be honest. And it's just like, at no point do you stop drinking as a human being in the UK. Like it's, it's nuts. Because like Australia is, is a little bit different. Like, you know, obviously the, the comedy industry, there's plenty of, plenty of beers going around. But in Australia, like with our winter, it's really only winter in Sydney for like two months maybe three like is in like but not even like winter in the same way that like you know london has spring or autumn you know like it's not it's not even that cold um or like wet or anything like that there's like there's just like kind of two months of like shitty weather so like in those two months you just kind of hibernate you just kind of wait it out you start staying home so i did some healthy shit you know probably don't drink so much and then summer comes around you drink again and like that's fine you get the two months off in the middle of the year you kind of get to you kind of get to get yourself right again whereas in the UK, man, you just you're on. You're on a hundred percent of the time, um, and uh, that's that's my that's my thing. Heading into heading into this year, I'm gonna figure out a way to not drink for an extended period of time, uh, well, not even an extended period of time, just like regularly throughout the week. Just trying to get through a few weeknights without a without a beer um, would be a win at this point, and I refuse to do any of that dry January, dry July shit. I hate it. I don't know why, but just like the concept of like taking a month just to not drink for, for just the point of not drinking is kind of dumb because there's going to be like, there's going to be four nights in January where it's worth a drink. There's a, there's a sports, sports is on, your team wins, someone you know gets engaged, like one of those fucking things. Uh, you have like a horrible experience 
one of your friends is real sad. You got to talk them through something, right? There's going to be like these four times where you want to have a beer that month. So just have it and then just, you know, chill out the rest of the time. Like you don't have to do this blanket ban. Like I don't get it. Too many absolutes. Just got to just gotta think your way through it a little bit. As a very famous Australian football coach once said, um, all right, I don't know if any of that was viable or usable, but hey, if you're listening to it, then it was. I decided it was. So um, I just want to say thank you for listening. We're up to, what was it, 15 episodes now. Oh boy, or maybe 16. I don't even know. Um, we got, they're going to be coming out weekly from January 7th uh, in the new year. Um, I actually have my comedy special coming out on January 8th. Yep, I know, kind of dropped that on you a little bit late. Um, but yes, it is It is available for pre-order on iTunes. Uh, there's an album that's like on Amazon and Google Play as well. Um, basically, if you go to my website, there's a pre-order link right there. Um, www.danielmuggleton.com and some information with some shows coming up. I'm at Leicester Comedy Festival. I'm at Brighton Fringe. That's Leicester's in February. Brighton's in May. So you've got plenty of time. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun chatting to you guys. Please grab me on the social medias at Dan Muggleton on Twitter and Instagram and Daniel Muggleton Comedy on Facebook. Um, oh yeah, just while I remember, uh, I actually got a mail in, a little, bit of, a little bit of mail from an Australian listener, Chad Membray. Uh, he's a bro from Newcastle, if I remember correctly. Um, he asked me a question about the UK. And I was like, hey, bro, that's what, that's what I'm here for. And then I said I'd ask around, get the answer. And he said, don't worry, I actually know the answer. And I was like, that's very sneaky. But uh, basically what he asked was, do you know why uh, there is the divide in the UK between rugby union in the south and rugby league in the north? Now, I just assumed... That was an English thing um, uh, related to class because everything in the UK seems to somehow stem from class. That's what I figured out uh, over the year. And I just figured like the rugby union is obviously generally considered, especially in Australia, um, it, is a, it is the much more upper class sport. Uh, rugby league is like a working class sport played in Sydney, in suburbs, like, whereas rugby union is like the different cities through the private schools, right? That's, um, that's how it all works. But um, yeah, he said, no, actually, the whole country played rugby union, um, but the competition was in the South. Um, that was where like all the games were held and stuff. So the men in the North were like, hey, can we get some money if we're going to have to travel to the South to play? And then the Southern Rugby Clubs were like, no, nope, we're not going to do that um, because cause we want to keep the money because everyone always, in history, everyone wants to keep the money. Nobody wants to give up the money. Uh, so they split off from the Southern Clubs um, being the Union of Rugby and the Northern Clubs became the League of Rugby Clubs and they started playing Rugby League and the South were playing Rugby Union. There you go. Pretty simple. Um, yeah, so that was, that was it. That's why Rugby League in the North because uh, they had the League of Rugby because they didn't want to travel to the South without being paid. And the union was the initial one because back in the day, everything was a union before it was a league. Um, and they just kept playing their sports. And then eventually the rules changed a little bit. 
and Australia got really, really, really obsessed with rugby league. Um, even though they probably didn't play their players for quite a while. All right. Um, that's that's all I wanted to talk to you guys about. 